This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to you and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. Welcome to a life in film. I'm Elliot James Langridge. I'm an actor, writer, and apparently a podcaster. And I love film. This is the podcast that we ask our guests from in front and behind the camera, how did they get their foot in the door? What was the key to unlocking their success? What's their story? Previous guests include Toby Jones, Sam Clement, Natalie Emmanuel, Andrea Riseborough, and Tony Curran, to name a few. Welcome to a Boiling Point special episode. I got the chance to talk to the creators of the show, one of the writers, the producers, and the director. We got to chat to the cast, hear their stories, and not only that, their most embarrassing moments. It's a life and fail! I started acting when I was, professionally when I was about 15. I got, I basically used to go to the Granada Studios in Manchester. They used to do a tour there, Coronation Street set, and just like, it was like a cheap um, Universal Studios, you know what I mean? <laughs> they used to do a tour there, so I went there once and I was fell in love, like I was like, wow, this is magical. And I've been to Universal Studios as a kid, and just the whole magic of like, that world just really like stuck with me, you know? And so when I was in school, I used to like, you know, I put on, like I'm just the, the class clown, if I'm honest with you. And so he used to say, oh, you should be on stage, you should be in this. And then my cousin used to have a camcorder, his, his dad had a camcorder. We used to make little films with it, you know what I mean? He used to let us have it and we'd make like animations and then I would like subconsciously direct him, be play, playing the police officer and all that kind of stuff. And so we made make these little films, and then, and then uh, I got uh, signed to an agent when I was no 15. I, I was I did this thing in St George's Hall in Liverpool, which is like a um, Gilbert Sullivan thing, and I played a little part in that. And an agency came and watched it, and they sort of were taking some people on, and they, they asked me if I'd like to join. So, so I jumped at the opportunity, and then I got some auditions for like Brookside and things like that and you know and and then, and then I got a, an audition for the for the BBC film anyway I got the part and that moved me to London and I and I stayed I did that for two years and that's where I sort of learned my craft in a way I mean I, I say learned my craft I was just fucking about to be honest because I didn't have a clue what I was doing but you know I I um and, and I think being scared every day helped me because I think I'm someone who likes to push myself you know what I mean and, Jump, jump into the fire, so, so, so to speak. But um, and then I just got sort of work off the back of it. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd go to auditions and I get the parts, and I ended up doing a, a show called Band of Brothers, which was straight after 
dream team and then did that for a year and then went off to Australia to do a movie and then to be honest with you then my career started to to, to be a bit of a nosedive because I sort of fell into the to the wrong with the wrong crowds and I was drinking a lot and you know and I sort of uh, I wasn't going to the auditions I wasn't turning up or I'd turn up and I wouldn't know the lines and I sort of got a bit complacent in terms of like and a bit um, what's the word? Big, too big to, for me boots, really, you know. Do you, why do you think that was? Was it because I mean, doing something like Band of Brothers, obviously, it's a show that you think everyone in this is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, is it kind of that thing of like, oh, this is it now? Like, is it... That was it. That was exactly it, yeah. Because I thought I could go into an audition, and every audition I went into, I'd usually get the job. And, you know, I just became a bit of a bit of a. Bit of a dickhead really to be honest with you and like I thought I was better than what I was and I wasn't putting the work in and the effort in you know and, I, and I'd sort of like and then I decided to go and do a course on um, the Meisner technique because I thought I need to home in craftier and, and sort of because I've never learned how to act um, so I did that and then while while I was not getting the jobs I needed to make some money so I started working in kitchens it became after I did that for 12 years became a head chef and, and sort of I'd always I'd always like had like a burning desire to direct I think it was a subconscious thing I think it wasn't like oh I'm going to be a director one day because for me directors were these like you know super educated like people who who knew everything there was to know about directing and films and all that kind of stuff where whereas I was just some kid from Heighton Liverpool who was like winging it um, and then my mum passed away quite suddenly um, seven years ago and I've been sober for eight, for a year thinking about like oh maybe I want to try directing one day and you know I was like clear head and I was like you yeah, know I'll give it a go one day maybe let me think about going to film school and I spoke to my mate um, and just said like you know what do you know recommend any good film schools he was his producer Bart, Bart who produced oh, yeah, Bart. yeah 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 and he was like, mate, why do you want to go to film school? You know, you've been on sets most of your adult life. Why do you yeah, want to do yeah. that? I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then my mum passed away and it was like, everything changed. Everything changed. It was just like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. What's the worst that can happen? So I just made a short film and got, got the funding. We, we crowdfunded, funded, got five grand for it. And, I made this short, went to festivals with it, did it all ourselves, you know. And then, and then off the back of that, I'd, I'd sort of always, I'd, I'd had an idea about my life as a chef and what I'd gone through and my addictions and all that kind of stuff. And that's taking up a lot of time as well. It's not like you know that's like a full-time job. Oh, that so was my full-time job. That was you'd actually transferred over to doing. I, I I had, but like again, subconsciously, it wasn't like I, I didn't sort of go, I'm quitting acting, I'm going to go and become a chef. I just sort of fell into it and I was still getting auditions every now and again. A lot of commercial stuff, you know what I mean? But I was always like, oh, I can't, I can't make it. I'm on shift. I can't, I can't get out of it, you know what I mean? Because that was what was earning me money. Yeah. And I was also quite passionate about it. I was very passionate about it, actually, about chefing. Hence why I became a head chef. And so, so then I was like, my acting career is fucked. I'm not going to be able to go back into it now. When I got sober, I was like, right, I'm ready, I'm back, I'm all good now. But I'd burned too many bridges and I was, I was also too far down the line in terms of like 
there's loads of new casting directors now. You know, people didn't really want to know. Was that a hard thing to kind of come to terms with? Yeah. Like, oh shit, this is. It was a. It was a. It was a reality check. What sort of? Just because I'm an actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm kind of like I, I get it. What kind of age were you around that point where you were like, oh, I kind of need to start again or I need to try a different route? Um, I was late 30s. I'm 43 now, so I was like maybe 36, mid to late 30s. Really recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and you know, I was, I was sort of like toying with the idea of directing something, and then, and then, like I say, that that incident with my mum happened, and it was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go full in now. And and you know what? I made a short film. Loved the experience. I was like, this is it. And without sounding cheesy as fuck, it was like. It felt like I was, it felt it felt comfortable and, and not easy, mm. but it kind of did feel easier to, as well. It was like, oh, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll just ask the question. What did I tell you at the beginning? That, that this is all that matters? What did I tell you about his job right at the beginning? This is all that matters. This is all that matters. Yeah, you've got it. I don't give a fuck about it all the time. We're snowed up there. I'll tell you what, yeah, when you stuck up your station, fuck off. You're joking? No, no. It's fucking Christmas then, sweet. Chef, please, come on, I need this job, please. Chef, look, I was only asking, I've not fucking seen him in ages. I haven't seen my case. <laughs> Just play a fucking game, will you? First day on set when we did the short, I think we shot it over a weekend. First day on set was, we were having a break, lunch break. And I remember going over to the actors and being like, trying to hang out with the actors. And they, when I walked over, they were all like a bit like funny. Not funny about <laughs> it, but it was like, oh, the director's over. And then I went over to the crew and like tried to chat with them and they're chatting all technical shit. And I was like, oh my God, where do I belong here? Oh my God, I feel weird. Yeah. So it was a weird, weird like That's thing. I can't imagine that's what it's like now because you guys all seem like really tight and it's yeah like yeah and and I think people sort of you know they know I'm an, I was an actor and and I understand actors and that's I think where where I come from as a director is like you know I don't always claim to know everything that is to know about cameras and and shots and stuff like that but I know what I like to look at and I know I have ideas in my head but I'm very collaborative in that way and that's with you know all the crew, but also with the actors as well. It's so important to be collaborative with actors because I know what it's like to be, you know, if, if a, a script is written and you're told to stick to that script and you can't quite, like, it's not you, you know what I mean? You've got to always bring an element of yourself to it, to a part. And so to change stuff and like, I'm open to actors just riffing and changing stuff. As long as we keep the same beats, the script is a blueprint, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I always like to choose actors and audition actors who I know can do that. Because some actors can, can't do it. And some actors, you know, you say, let's improvise around this scene. Mm. And they go off and do a, write a monologue for, you know, 16 page monologue. And you're like, no, I, I just want you to look at, just, just, just look over there. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's so, funny, because yeah. yeah, some actors, that would be their worst nightmare. I know. And then like, I'm just like, so a script, yeah. a big monologue yeah, yeah. line is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. when someone goes, yeah, just improvise. Thank you. Thank God, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so much yeah. better. And 
And so was there a lot of that on this? Like a lot, a lot. of kind of just like, obviously with the one shot with the film, I can imagine. Yeah. Was it, as, was it slightly more structured with the series? It had to be really, but um, at the same time, it, I'd, I'd, I'd said to the BBC very early on, I was like, I want to keep the same format and same method as my, you know, the way I direct. I want to keep it similar because, you know, we'll come on set. The script is there. I told all the actors, do not learn the lines. Whatever you do, don't learn the lines because then they're stuck in your head then. You can't get out of it. Just learn the scene, like understand what's happening. And so when we come on set, we'd go, even if it says in the set, in the script, you know, the, the uh, Bolton is stood by the, by the cooker. Me and Matt, the cinematographer, would come in in the, in the morning and we'd block it out and go, oh, it's not going to work over there, let's do it over there. Or maybe he sat down or, well, you know what I mean, whatever. And so the actors would come in and we'd be like, right, I'd say, right, you're over there, you're there, you're there, you're there, you're doing this, you're going to go over to there now and say that and do this and do that. And let's just have a, let's just have a go. And once we were all comfortable with it, we would rehearse it. And I'm doing inverted commas here because I'd like to shoot the rehearsals because a lot of the time actors are so relaxed in rehearsals and they don't, they're not, you know, getting that uptight when it's like, okay, turn over, roll camera, you know, sound speed, blah, 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 blah. And it's all heavy, like loud. And it's like, and action. It's silent. And then everyone's like <laughs> panicking and you can see the tension, you know? So I like to shoot the rehearsals and, and, you know, I also like to just keep the cameras rolling. And I say to the actors, look, if I don't call cut, just keep going mm -hmm. and we might get some gold, you know, mm -hmm. but it was important to have actors who could adapt to that. You know what I mean? And, and, and that, that comes in the audition process. Um, I like to work extensively in that, in the auditions. And I don't like, you know, if, if actors come in with a script and they've learned it, I'll say, all right, throw that away. You might do a version to the script and I'll be like, get rid of that. Cause, cause you see actors come in with scripts in their hands. Which is fine. I mean, look, I used to do that. And like some casting directors are like, oh, they must be off book. But like, if you're getting a script the day before, which is a lot of the time you, you are nowadays, you know. Um, but that becomes a crutch and you will get, you're guaranteed to look at it. So I always say, throw it away, don't even look at it and just remember what's going on in the scene. And also listen. I'd always have another actor in the auditions because and I always brief the actors, bef the, the oh, other man. actor before. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because casting directors, they're reading it off the, off the page. Some casting directors are great. Some of them are not. <laughs> but some of them are not. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, but, um, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's almost yeah. distracting, you're like... Yeah, totally. What's, what's, what's if you're meant to cry in a scene or something, yeah. and they're just like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but my mate Robbie O'Neill, who was in the film, actually, um, we got him into to read all the offlines and stuff, and, and I I brief him before and I say, right, at, at, at any particular moment you want, just choose. I just want you to fucking scream at them in the face, just out of nowhere. I see what happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so a lot of actors would be like, whoa, sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Can we go again? I'd be like, no, that was it. That was the moment, you know, because nice. life in life you don't know what's coming next. No. You know, I might get up and throw this table over the thing and you and it'll all be, and it'll all be <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like you can't predict what's gonna happen in the future. So I like actors to be present in the moment. Well that that's the thing with the I I almost like when I heard that you were doing a series, I was like, I don't fuck it up, man, because I love the film, I love <laughs> yeah. the film. And it's that natural, it's so natural. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's partially because it was like, you know, four takes overnight and it was like all in one go. Yeah. But 
I was so happy to watch the first episode and see it was like the same vibe exactly. Oh, good, good. I'm and glad, the, the tension. I was watching with my girlfriend and she was like, I'm, I can't. Like, <laughs> the moment he takes the sauce out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. can't. Yeah. She hasn't seen the end of the episode yet. Well, good. I was like, you need to watch it. Yeah. Um, oh, amazing. But I love that it's, it's yeah, it's got that same vibe. And everything feels so natural and all the performances just, it feels like you're flying the wall. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I'm sure is what. I'm so glad you said that because it it was a nerve-wracking, um, you know, the BBC approached me and said, would you be interested in doing a TV series? Which doesn't happen, you know, That's very often. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you jump at those opportunities and it was like, I said, yeah, I'd love to, yeah. And then you sort of go away and go, fuck, Gotta do are you going to do this? Yeah. And, you know, was James and Steve, Steve Graham was, was one of the creators with us and I, I wanted him to be part of it because he's been so, so integral to not only being the lead in the fil two films, the short yeah. and the feature, but but also like he comes to the table with so many ideas and so many things about characters. Not only his character. So I, I said to the BBC and to, to the to the team, I was like, I want Stephen to be a creator with me and James. So we went away and sat in a room and just bashed out loads of ideas, and then wrote the script in three weeks, first episode, and then we sent it in and we were greenlit straight away off the back of it, and then we were like. Can you can you start prepping three months? Because then we want to get the show out. Like at this time, and we were like, um, yeah, of course we can. Yeah, yeah. And we just went away again. I was like, shit. <laughs> so the whole thing is mad. Because I've been in touch with your like representation, and, and yeah. they were like, oh yeah, he's prepping for this. Blah, blah, blah. And then like you know, time goes by, but yeah. I was like, that was quick. They shot it. Yeah. It's done. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of it, man. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed the first episode, but. Thank you so much. Thank a real you, pleasure. Yeah, and, yeah it really is. Your awesome. story is wicked, man. Hearing Thank you, mate. That is like gives me like hope as well as an actor. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And everything else. So I mean, you know, you're in charge of your own destiny. You've got to just take it by the by the horns and just yeah. go with it. Because, like in this industry, nobody will help you. You've got to, you know. And I do a lot of talks. I do a lot of like workshops with actors because I think it's important to to meet actors all the time. You know what I mean? Because for me, I like go and watch plays and films and you know i like to talk to actors I like have general meetings with actors yeah. because it's like it's important to not only you know you've got to constantly be sharpening your tools i think because if you're not like athletes train every day actors should be doing the same do something even if it's just watching something reading something you're still gathering that information you know what i mean watch other actors copy them you know what i mean everyone's copying each other I am, um, well, I grew up in Castlemilk in the south side of Glasgow, which is not the posh part. And when I grew up at that time, there wasn't access to community theatre or any of that sort of stuff. And we had a really good drama department at school, high school. And I don't know what this is, let's just call it divination. But at that time in my life where you had to decide, do, what do you want to do, college, university? Because I was sort of fairly good at school. I could have, if I'd applied myself, I could have done any subject except maths or physics. So I kind of was like, I could have done whatever, yeah. All of my report cards were, if he applied himself, he could do this. <laughs> if. If, if he <laughs> yeah. applied. So I was sort of fairly okay at them. And then I remember being like, if I don't do this, I will regret it. And even at that age, bless me, I was like, I don't want to regret anything. And it was weird. So when I said, I want to go to drama school, everyone was like, huh, okay. Well, oh, right, yes. But they weren't like discouraging, but nobody was like, oh, of course you're going to do that. I was precocious. I didn't really do it. I did sort of latterly 16, 17, some you, you, am dram stuff. But I really jumped in feet first. 
and I didn't really know I was good until I got to drama school because we did a year at college and it's like I kept getting all the big parts and then when I went to the uh, RSCMD in Glasgow which is now the RCS World Conservatoire I was then the waiter, the the sort of old granddad. Oh no! Granted, I was the walk-on. I mean, one of my lines in one of our shows was, "The horses are here." In your final the full production. Show. That was the far, first year, one first year. The horses are here. Oh, it's, it's a lot of here. pressure though when you've yeah. got that one I mean, line. It's you didn't let them know the horses are there. How will they ever know? How will the Exodus check up, please? But, but within that, everything's a learning curve. I sort of remember being furious for about a day that I was the fucking waiter. How bum 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 bum, how funny, I'm now a waiter in this. But I thought, I sort of thought, well, you've got to learn, not everything's going to be that. So what, what that taught me was just don't expect anything, expect nothing. So most people, some people in my year were really filled with, with confidence and yeah. it's, it's going to go for you. And they've been gobbled up over the years and they're not doing it anymore. And I think the testament that I got from it is going to expect nothing and, and it'll work. And it really has something I've lived by. I don't expect anything from this industry, but work hard. My talent is mine and I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah. I know how to harness it now. Well, uh, and just be a nice person, you know, be somebody that people want to work with. But I've basically been winging it for almost 20 years. Well, you've yeah. winged it ever so well. Haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the best way to do yeah. it. No expectations, you're like... And also when I come from in Scotland at that time, I didn't have access, I didn't have when any of that. When you went back home, did they do that thing like, because when you're from a village or something, when you're from... Oh, you've not seen you on the telly yet. Oh, have God. you been on the telly yet? Oh, yeah. Are we on the telly? Have you been on the telly yeah. yet? They they, they, I started working, I did a TV show in Scotland called River City, which is like their Scottish Eastenders. So I was Shane famous Hester. in Scotland from when the age of 25. Yeah. Quite famous in Scotland, yeah. on a regional yeah. level. You've done Yeah, 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 I've done well, that, yeah. So regionally famous for a long time. Yeah. I'm now ready to go national. <laughs> <laughs> and then international. That feels like stupid. Take it a time. And when you're regionally famous in Scotland, it's like that. It's not even you on the telly. It's like, oh, come here. Oh, my God. The people that you'd rather avoid in life, are drawn to you because of River City. Yes, really? uh, Yeah. Not all bad. Not all bad at all. But yeah, mad, mad, mad. It's lovely. I never knew any of this. See, this yeah. is nice. We can share. Yeah. It'll be good to have. Yeah. 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 So we just stayed there for years. I was on that show for eight years. I bought a house. I travelled the world. I learned how to drive. I, I had a really beautiful life. And then I turned 30 and thought, if I don't get out of this, I'll never know what could have been. So I really took a risk for a couple of years, came to London, had no money. I was looking after old rich men in their houses, wiping their bums, because I was a carer. And then slowly but surely, just things happened. Boiling Point came in to my life. Northwater first is where I met Stephen Graham, yep. Hannah's man. Um, and he brought a whole load of us from Northwater to Boiling Point. And the rest is history. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be a really nice family where a lot yeah, really of people is. Who have worked together before. Yeah. It's like, Especially like talking to the producers and stuff, I'm like, hey, but you were in Band of Brothers 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's like kind yeah. of crazy. So now you're part of the family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. delighted. When you're in. Yeah. You're, you're in. in. I'm yeah. the loopy uncle that they're a bit like, don't feed them too much wine. Or they go, kick out. Stay for one night at yeah. Christmas. Stay for one night at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's put to bed early. Yeah. <laughs>
That's amazing. That that whole thing, like for our audience, there's a lot of actors that are trying to figure out how to do it. How yeah. To get yeah. So to hear everyone's story and it'd be so different. And I suppose yeah. the thing to, to to lynch that on in terms of learning experience is the part that I had in the North Water. It was called Webster. I was in all four episodes. I was on the boat in the Arctic. I only really speak in episode four. So it was a glorified essay essentially but because obviously we had to go and be part of the experience we were all in it but most actors would have said no to a role that small and had i said no to that i wouldn't be here now so don't discount great small opportunities you know say yes to things even if you think you shouldn't yeah if i'd said no to that i wouldn't be here today so say yes to the small parts but it's experience as well yeah. everything you do gives you experience moving forward yeah. don't think you're above anything yeah. or below anything yeah. you need to accept everything i was delighted i was wiping old men's bums in chelsea so, when after I come along, to go so. and watch polar bears delighted to be there i can't believe that stephen mcmillan was telling me some of the stories yeah. about there'd be times where the, the your crew apparently would be like and then Stephen's sending me videos of him jumping in the water. I couldn't believe it. Come in. Come in. Come it was, it was all shot there then, yeah. so it must have been absolutely freezing. Yeah. It was yeah. unbearably cold. Well, they had a hot tub on their little boat. Oh, yeah. oh wow, that's not what you, you don't yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was stinking hot, it was. But they fueled it off the ship, it was, I mean, I mean adventurous wow. stuff, that's like, yeah. if you're related to a Shackleton, you go there. People like us and all those boys were working class. None of us, we were the first in our lineage to have gone there. Yeah. What's your taking flags? You recreated the scene, one of the famous pictures, didn't you, from the Yeah, we did. Where they played football on yeah, the ice, yeah. and you guys all created that specific Yeah, we image. did, yeah. yeah. Our total life, like, job of a lifetime, for sure. But, yeah, ultimately, just say yes to things, because you never know where they're taking. And again, something you thought, oh, maybe the, sm the part's too small, but actually... I see... didn't give a hell because I was wiping bums in Chelsea, but ordinarily, yeah. I know other actors had said no to that, or a part like that and that production had said no. But every part you do gives you confidence, yeah, right? Yeah. Experience and confidence. Of yeah. And what does Stephen say? No small parts, just small acts. Yeah. Oh, that's coming from Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? He has to say that. <laughs> but it's not, you know, he's not gifted in the height department, is he? <laughs> I can say that. You can't I'm say that. I'm said with love. When I was little, it just started with doing school plays and things like that. But um, instead of just having the one role in the school play, I would have like five roles in the school. So everyone would be give, portioned out their roles in the play. And then, you know, Sarah would not want to do it anymore. So it'd be like, I'll do it. And then Bobby didn't want to walk up. It's okay, I'll do it. So in the end, I was doing a one-woman show <laughs> in primary school. Do you know what I mean? I was the star and Jesus at one point. That's how we're doing that. Yeah, everything. Um, and I just used to get, embarrassingly, my mum used to, just used to get all the other parents just coming up at primary school going, She's ever so good, isn't she good? Oh, couldn't take my eyes. I'm really like applauding when yeah. I came on stage and stuff. And you know, they're off, oh, own child's just sat in the background crying. And that's me doing a one woman show. Um, and I think it was just there, the fire was lit in my belly there from a very, very young age. Do you remember feeling that? Yeah, wow. loved it. 
And then I did Amdram and we had a local theatre called the Venture Theatre in Ashby de la Zouche. And I got pulled out of school to do Jane Eyre because I played the little girl in Jane Eyre. So three nights a week they'd let me go and do that. And then um, I'd have to go to school the next day. So I was already kind of... Oh, you were a star. Almost. Yeah, from the yes, I'm a star. And then I did it at school and I left uh, high school when I was 16 because they didn't have the structure within high school for me to carry on doing it at A level. So I went to Melton Mowbray Performing Arts College and left home when I was 16, which was hard, leaving my mum. Um, but I did it because I knew that it would be really good for me, so I did that. And then from that, I went on to Rose Bruford and moved to London, still very early, like 18, 19. Um, and did that, and then did the three years there, showcased, did all the showcases at the end of the years. And with me, what happened was I would get uh, all of the agents and the cast directors would come to me after the showcases and say, We think you're amazing, we think you're fabulous, we just don't know what to do with you. I was like, I don't understand what you mean you don't want to do with me. Because I was 19, but like, I, they saw me playing older yeah. already at the age of 19. Yeah. And they were all saying to me, you won't work till you're 14. Uh, you just it, The parts won't be there to be till you're, 40, till you're at 14. Which is from little girl who was oh, being yeah. donkey and Jesus I was the genius. Do you young, not know yeah. that I was, you know, <laughs> Dad and Jesus. the three keys yeah. in the play? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was heartbreaking for me. And then real life took over and I had to get a real job. Not real job, let's not say that. I had to get a paying job that was reliable. Um, what job was it? I used to work, oh my God, I've had that many jobs. Have you? I've had paint factory, cheese factory, soap factory, lot of factories. Lot of factories? Yeah, I used to gravitate towards that <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah, that's what it is. Why <laughs> That's what it is. That sandwich is at the day. You're basically in a Victoria Woods. That's exactly what it is. It's the clocking in and clocking out kind of thing. Loved it. Um, and I did that for many, many years. Uh, what was the worst job? I'm, I'm intrigued because I'm still in cheese. Myself, still yeah. cheese. The jobs are still in cheese. Oh, smell it? I thought you said Jesus. Then I was like, when you were playing, yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, cheese factory. Cheese factory was the worst factory yeah. out of all of them because yeah. of the smell. Because of the smell mm. and because you sweated a lot because you oh can wear God. so many different things and the bonnet Get and the voice. everything. Yeah. What's your worst job? The worst one by a long way actually was um, I had a job and I only had it for three days because I couldn't stick it. Was cleaning out port cabins oh, that no. the builders had oh, used, God. and they would just be it would just be the worst. I'm not even going to describe what was in there, but it was like I'd be there with a hose trying to mock that, and it was like I did it for three days, and I was like, "This tell me they weren't using the, the the loo and they were using the cabin at times." That's what you're telling me, is that? Because in your eyes, there were certain things. I could see the scars. You still see the reflection. Yeah. Of I did three days and I was like, this isn't worth yeah. the, Isn't it funny the, the amount of jobs out there? You sort of go, this is a thing? Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. what you're paying people to do, this? Yeah, yeah. Wiping old men's bums in Chelsea. Yeah. So that was that your worst or was that? Uh, no, because okay, so I did care work since I was 19. So I've sort of, it's been interwoven. So I meant that be quite career. nice. It can be, and I say that to be flippant, like you're more than wiping the bums. It's a privilege to wipe someone's yeah. bum who's incapacitated. Yeah in a care setting, not, yeah. nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a care, it's the care aspect of it. Yeah. And I've always just, I've always just done it, always done it. It's serving pints is my idea of hell. I'd rather help an old person have their dinner and get yeah. to bed safely than serve pints. Because you've got a kind heart. I've got a kind heart. Yeah. Do you have a worse job? Worst job? 
Um, I really didn't like working in retail. I really didn't like that. I worked in a chicken shop. You don't sell the force gladly though, do you, Zupa? So I can't imagine somebody telling, you know, bringing something back and just being quite rude to you would go down very well. No, it didn't. And that's probably why I didn't work there for very long. Um, <laughs> but actually, I'll tell you what my worst one was. I think maybe when I was like 15, I was doing, you know when they would do those like, you'd be employed by a big company yeah. and you would you would be serving staff for an event. Oh, and I would do events. Yeah, events, yeah, yeah. I would do a few where some of the royals were there oh. and they were coming to like edit or something and I'd be milling about in like the attire or I'd be like, there'd be some like Russian government official that's how she would go and clean with someone else. And I did find that so destroying because I wasn't very good at following certain etiquettes mm. and like, Bide into certain rooms. Oh, do you just mean you weren't very good at being told what to do? <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? I mean, a wee bit. I'm not very good with authorities, what she's trying to say. <laughs> no, you should never tell me what to do. <laughs> so nice. Sometimes those jobs, I had a similar job where there was a catering company. I think this can't happen now. I don't think it's a thing. But there was a catering company, it was about 10 years ago. And you had to look a certain way. You had to be a certain height. You had to be like, you know, it was mental. It was all of that. It was all of that. But it's, maybe yeah, it's the same. I can't remember what the, yeah. All the boys had to be six foot or what? You'd, yeah, exactly. I'd turn up and they'd be like, mm. yeah. I remember they turned me away. Yeah. I was like, I need the money. Yeah. Um, but no, one of the times my mate got turned away because he was too short. Yeah. And then I nearly got turned away because I was too old. I was like 28. What? I was like, this sounds like a Hollister. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, no, it was. A lot of the guys looked like they dinner. went to Hollister. It was just of dinner. Yes. Wow. So the, it was for things was it like. In the buff? Is that what you're trying to tell? <laughs> there were a, no, no, genuine, genuinely, there were a couple of like, they'd give you an outfit sometimes. Oh, and like, yeah, and it was just, it was, I was like, I'm not, again, better than the Portaloo thing. Yeah. yeah. Cabins, but but um, not but quite. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, yeah, not great. Let so I interrupted you. So Stephen's career started taking off. Uh, we were together at this point. Stephen's career started taking off, and then I uh, did a teaching degree. So I became a teacher. Oh wow! So I used to teach GCSE and A level theatre studies, drama theatre studies. Yeah. Wow. They wrote Walters as a legend in my office in paint, and they were petrified when I came down because they thought I was going to, you know, tell them off. And I was just like, this is weird. Yeah, loved it. Um, loved it. It was a great job. But um, then my children came along, and it was just Stephen's career was taking off, and I decided to be stay-at-home mom because that's the most rewarding, beautiful job. And I can't yeah, imagine ever not doing it. It was incredible. Yeah, that, that it makes sense. And we felt blessed that I was able to do that. Yeah. Um, Did you miss the teaching though? Because that's was he. I missed been a huge. Yeah, I missed the pastoral element of it. Yeah. I miss. Miss the kids. The kids. I miss yeah. the kids. I still have the kids now. That, oh yeah. Like, so they must be so proud of you. They must see you now. They must be like, oh, I'm a teacher. It's because they say, thank you for giving me the confidence. Yeah. I know I never went on and did it, but it gave me yeah. confidence. You gave me, you believed in me. Because yeah. I had every child, every child that was ill spoken of in the staff room was in my yeah. in my lessons. And they'll be saying, oh, they're unteachable. I can't teach them. And you I would go, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I wouldn't try to tell you what to do. You would have just done what you want. Yeah. But I knew that you'd do it in your own way. Um, yeah, so that's why I did teaching and then mine's just kind of organically happened as the children have got older. I dipped my toes, started dipping my toes back into it and feeling it was the right time and it's now the ripe old age of 49, but really? I feel that it's just taken off. So, I mean, what a great project to be absolutely yeah. as well. Exactly. Such amazing characters. Exactly. I didn't really realise that I wanted to do it till I was a wee bit older. I was a singer, I came out of the room singing. So I would like sing in school shows, just like your, I don't know, every time they do a wee show and everyone would sing. 
I sang and then one day someone came and sought me when I was about 14. Uh, no, when I was uh, 15, 16 and they were like, you should audition for like colleges or drama schools. And I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, and then I tried, I auditioned for this like wee college in Edinburgh, um, but my dad wasn't comfortable with me leaving school. So I wasn't, I wasn't bad in school. I just like, was it an authority pick that we did? And um and yeah. Your report, so, what your report for say? What did your my report? report cards were always like because there'd be those annoying days where I would be given an incentive to do well in something and I would excel right. like academically in it. But then consistently throughout that my grades would be that and I would be wanting to chat and they would be like, if she just applied yeah, she shut herself, up. If she shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. Like I like I to chat too. Like, yeah, because yeah, it wasn't that. But singing help, because I was quite bad bullied in high school. So I wasn't really like, I was kind of like just trying to disappear out of it. Yeah. Then I went to this college, um, basically left home at 16, milling about, singing, and then somebody said at this college, you should audition for London. And I was like, well, it's London. So I auditioned for London stuff, um, got scholarships to go, and um, did a musical theatre degree in London. And lots of stuff happened at drama school. My main note to all my acting teachers was always like, it's too small. I'd always get screamed at by my acting teachers and they would say, we're not going to see you in the gods and stuff. And I was a bit like, oh, well, maybe I'm just a singer. And then we started to do a couple of TV auditions. And that's when everything kind of felt a little bit like, oh, cool, okay. And I got my agent through my showcase. And um, my I ended up booking a film for my first audition, which meant, which was made of Queen of Scots. And then it meant that I suddenly was introduced to this insane world and I was incredibly lucky and got to work with people who kept giving me opportunities. I worked with Phil in an indie film called Villain and he finally brought me on to Boiling Point. Um, I feel like that's the most I can I can summarise it. I can eventually get into it with drama schools and showcasing agents. I think the key to it is, is just be bendable. Don't yeah. have a have a plan, yeah. but know that the path that you want to go down may take you off to different paths. And the scary might, words suck. Cool yeah. Yeah. And they'll be called the sack, and you'll go yeah. down, and then you'll come back yeah. down, back down that road. It's bending like a willow tree. It's yeah. just not being too fixated. Life isn't linear, is it? Yeah. 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 Taking the small parts. And also, you don't have to go to drama school to do no. these things. No. This show is filled with people who go yeah, to drama school. And some of my favourite people I've ever worked with on the set have never trained. Because yeah. in one way, it will absolutely yeah. leverage you and teach you things. Another way, it can contaminate you. Yeah. So it's whatever is meant for you. Sometimes they can come up with the same. Yeah. Um, or taking away that. Give young yeah. actors yeah. false promises that then destroys them when it's not met in the real world. Yeah. It's Point North's name on the line. They need to taste your food. A lot of important people are going to be in that room. Which is why we need to get it right. Go out there and smash it, all right? Yes, yes sir. Yeah, it wasn't even in my consciousness. Just I come from a very wet class background. It just, it just wasn't in the ether. No one around me did that as a job. It was an English class at my middle school where we were doing poetry and my teacher um, got me and a friend to do a dramatised poem and she thought it was good enough to enter into a local speech and drama oh, festival, wow. Ilkley speech and drama festival. And so we went and did it and we got the first prize and um, I loved it. I just loved it. 
um, and from then on I was pretty single-minded about it so I joined like my school drama group did Daisy pulls it off at school was the school play and then someone there went to like um, a local um, fee paying but like um, after school drama club dra dance and drama club and they were also a kids agency Oh wow! So I, you know, got a first couple of parts, doing one line in Northern Pelly, and then. So you started off pretty young, then, like. Yeah, I mean, I think I was auditioning from thirteen, but I didn't get a part until I was sixteen. That just shows you how hard it is, though. Like, yeah. Genuinely. I mean, there were lots of kids who did. I just, uh, I just didn't, and then, um, and then yes, I played a couple of, you know, small parts in Northern Pelly, and then. Um, I knew that I wanted to train properly, I wanted to go to drama school, I knew that I wanted to do theatre, I loved Shakespeare and, and so I did take a year out to see how it would go. I got sort of like a, a northern adult agent but the range of what was, I was getting asked to audition for was available was very, very narrow as a young mixed race northern girl. It was, you know, prostitutes and drug oh, single mums yeah. and like very uninspiring casting. Has it and felt like it's hopefully changed since? Going to drama school definitely opened doors, but I do remember there was still like a, I mean, look, you know, it's it's 20 years ago now, so things have changed, but um, well, over 20 years ago, but uh, even my bursary audition, one of, I, I was on a series of scholarships because I couldn't have gone otherwise. And unfortunately they don't exist anymore, so I wouldn't be able to go if I was auditioning now, which is uh, very sad um, because it opened my life. You know, it gave me access and opportunities to lots of things that I wouldn't have had before. Um, but I remember them saying to me, well, you'll do telly. And I was furious because I really wanted to go and do Shakespeare. <laughs> like, wanted to do theatre. But they, again, they just thought, working class Northern, Mitch Trace girl, and thought, oh, she's urban. She'll do telly. Um, but how? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, because, yeah, drama school was great for me. Um, I, mean, I mean, even that process, I, I ran into snobbery in that process. But luckily, I went to one and it was great for me and I got a really good agent when I left and it just the and because you're doing theatre there all the time and all the agents and casting directors come and see you do theatre it just opened up the world and you know I learned how to speak in an RP accent so they didn't necessarily know I was northern and so they kind of then you'd have to do that then you today. did yeah. I don't know what it's like now but then you know people just I don't know I've been playing a lot for ages, I never used my own accent, and I have been doing more recently. And the roles that are coming are more working, uh, uh, just at the moment, are more working class. So I don't know. Just like people go, oh, that's that's what we know her for, so that's what we'll do. And then shifts, it can shift and change, I suppose, depending on what you're doing. It's, it's funny how, yeah, sometimes people want to put you on a box, don't they? They're like, oh, they can do that, they can do that. And it's like, we're actors, so. Do you would have. Do you know what I mean? You would have, I guess there's so many of us that yeah. it becomes a kind of... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, what I am really proud of is I have had quite a lot of range. The kind of projects I've done and the parts I've played and, and social backgrounds I've been from. So, I, you know, I feel proud of that. I need you to remember what we're doing here. What we've started.
And you, boy, you keep your ears open. Anyone needs anything, you get in there, yeah? Yes, sir. Right, check on table eight, one scout, two cod, one pork. Oh, yes, yeah. Keep pushing forward and let's do what we do. Yes, yes. 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 come on. Come in. Check on. I know exactly where it came from. It came from a place of uh, trying to find significance as a kid. I was an extremely shy child. Um, and uh, there was a boy in my class that was a child actor. And he got so much attention at school. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and I'm like, okay, uh, he's got blonde hair and blue eyes. I can't have that, but what can I have that he does? And uh, he was an actor and he was on commercials and he was doing bits here and there. Got all this attention, and so I think it came from a place of significance because I wanted that significance. I went home to my parents and I said, "I want to be an actor," and and they were like, "But you don't even talk to anyone," and uh, and 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 you know, nevertheless, they phoned around local drama schools. One of them said, "Tell Ray to come down on a Sunday." It was like a weekend thing. I went down. It was excruciating because it was full of extrovert kids. Oh God! But, but yeah, yeah, and I'm like this shy kid in the corner, but. I stuck it out, I stuck it out, I kept going back because it was something, not the singing and dancing because I couldn't do any of that, but it was the acting and I was like, hmm. And then uh, and then eventually I got my moment, musical performances on every year and I, I never got leading roles because I couldn't sing and dance, but then we did a play once and they gave me my chance and uh, and I had this sort of really significant moment. Um, well, it actually was a musical, but they, my character didn't have much to do on that side, and then I had this really significant moment. I was like, okay, I want to do this for a living. Was that the moment then you thought, this feels like a good fit? Well, it, well, I'm, I may, I was on stage, and something strange happened. It was, we were doing a chorus line, and 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 it was Roland Paul who basically goes has this like three-page monologue uh, where he where he comes out to the director of the show. And, 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 and I'm doing this monologue, it's like this 14-year-old kid or whatever. And as I'm doing it, and it never happened in rehearsals, I start crying as I'm saying it. And I didn't know where those tears had come from. But when I looked at the audience, and I saw people in the audience start crying, it was honestly, like I still get chills thinking about it, because it was like, People say they have those moments where they just know something. Yeah. That was a moment. I was just like, like the insignificant me was made having an effect on people. It's wow. like, I need to do this for a living. And so, and so I, ne I never, that was, that was it then. That was it. There was no going back at that point. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So did you, I mean, from that point on, what was the next step to kind of, because a lot of our listeners are actors and, and people in the industry are trying to get that next step. Is there a secret to how you then went from, you know, being on stage as a kid to yeah. then getting an agent and, and the next steps with that? Well, there's a, there's a real significant moment. So the, 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 the theatre school that I was at, it was a weekend theatre school, they had their own agency affiliated to it. So it's like a children's agency. And I went up for a few small things, uh, never got it. Went up for this, went up for that. Did a few extra bits here and there. And then eventually I got this role in a short film and it was like a long time trying at these auditions and I got this short film. Um, and that did the festival circuit, it did kind of well and then that director went on to do something a bit bigger and he got me back in for something that he did after that. And, um, but then it was like, then I was sort of into my late teens 
and I had done stuff as a teenager, but I wanted to be like a, a proper actor. Like, like, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to do this as an adult. I just wanted this to be my career, and I was, I started. I was really frustrated because I was with this children's agency and it comes to the end of the road and it was like what do I do now I have no contacts in the industry I don't know what to do but I just have this burning desire and I've got a few bits I can show people that I've done and I kept talking about it moaning about it and then one day a very dear friend of mine I grew up with called John he says to me Ray I'm fed up with hearing you um, moan about this um, we are like you're gonna come to my house on Saturday and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna write to the six biggest agents in the UK. And I was like, oh no, it's a Saturday, I wanna hang out, I don't wanna do that, da, 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 da. He's like, no, 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 we're gonna do it. And I look back at that moment as a really pivotal moment because had I not gone that day, things could have panned out very differently. So I stepped out of my comfort zone, I went to his house on the Saturday and we sat there and it was before you could email everyone, like you'd have to write letters. Um, so we, you're showing you're showing how long ago that is, yeah, <laughs> and um, and and so we wrote to the six top agencies in the UK, and as expected, five came back and went thanks, but no thanks. Mm. And then there was one that came back and said, "Hey, I'd like to see some of your work." So I rushed around trying to get these bits together that I'd done when I was younger, and I sent it off and. They called me into a meeting, and I remember having this most incredible meeting, and uh, it was amazing. And I was like, oh, all the signs are there. Like this is this is this is a done deal. And at the very end, she went, "Okay, so I just need to talk to the team about this, and uh, and we'll let you know." And of course, like crushed. Like, what does that mean? Like, there's no offer in the room. Like, and I had no, I didn't know how it ran in the industry. I didn't know anyone. And uh, eventually, a few days later, I got a phone call saying we'd love to, we'd love to off, like we'd love to take you on. That was I won't say how many years, <laughs> but it's still my agent to this day. Oh, wow, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, she's still my agent to this day, and and uh, she's like made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like and 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 just you know, it just she. I I think I mean we've been together for such a long time. She knows me inside out, and. Um, and I think she battled, you know, uh, being a, 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 a black woman that many years ago in the industry as an agent. And I think she understands, she, she got it from day one, right? We just got it. We knew like, what this journey was going to be and we've been in it together um, for all these years. And I still won't say how many years because I don't want to <laughs> I'm going to do my homework later. Andy, <laughs> what are you doing? I think you should talk to Carly. I want to talk to her for. No, I mean, don't forget, you all used to work for me. You know, I've seen you playing happy families. Maybe if it wasn't for her, I'd still have my own fucking restaurant. So I, when I was younger, um, me and my cousins used to put like shows on at Christmas, and we'd have like upside down paddling pools, like Jeez Manger doing the Nivity, Timothy, whatever. Um, so I was always doing shows, and um, I told my mum that I wanted to be on telly when I was three. So it's really exciting to be doing it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had a really great drama teacher who worked with the television workshop. And um, during school, he sort of, well, he told me to go to drama school. Um, 
and I had no idea what that was really. So it's like when I turned up to drama school, it was like really like Billy Elliot um, walking into the Royal Ballet, you know, like you know what was going on. Um, because I'd never really, I'd never really had that theatrical family background. Know anyone that did it? No one from where I was from that I knew of um, acted, and I always wanted to be on telly. I remember having this little silver bush telly, and I'd have the volume really loud, um, and I'd be watching like two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Um, you know, when I was supposed to be in bed. Uh, yeah, and then so I went to drama school and um, things really kicked off after there. But I know that I always wanted to do it, like, always, because it's... Well, just from the youngest age, you were like, that is... Yeah, yeah like watching Grease. I remember watching Grease yeah. and being like obsessed with Danny and Sandy. Um, you know, when I get married one day, that'll be the theme of my wedding. It'll be like <laughs> the fun fair at the end, that'll be my wedding. No, uh, is it? She's got like a cat suit on them. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> yeah. that'll be me, yeah. How did it all begin for you? How did you begin acting? How did you get into it? Um, well, I took it as like a kind of a joke lesson in sixth form. Yeah, it was like a way to get out of like a real academic lesson. And then I remember doing Shadow of Gunman by Sean O'Casey and it was, um, like, I think I just read it in my own accent. And I'm not going to do it now because I'll probably be bad at it. Just put me on the spot now. Um, and my teacher was like, no, give it all to this right now. Start doing the accent. Start. And I was like, Okay, there's a bit, little bit more about this uh, than what I first thought, but um, but then after I started doing it for a few months, and I, I just started thinking this is like the best thing ever. I wonder if you can make like an actual career out of it. And then I joined the Everyman's Youth Theatre uh, just after leaving school. I was meant to, I was weirdly enough, I was meant to do a film with, uh, with Phil and Steve um, called Fizzy Days, which never got made. Um, and then it's just weird, like. Ten years later, it's back around, and we're all together. Now it's, uh, it's crazy. Now for a quick break. Are you a writer, and director, actor, costume designer, perhaps makeup artist? Are you interested in camera? This is the place to share your journey. We want to hear from you. How did you start your career? Has it started yet? And perhaps, if you're feeling brave, share with us your most embarrassing film-related moment. So slip into our DMs at Life in Film Pod on Instagram. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life and film, where you'll get episodes early and uncut amongst other treats. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a positive rating. Add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at life and film pod and find our video episodes on YouTube by searching Elliot James Langridge life and film. Essentially, please like and subscribe everything. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you work in the film industry? Are you freelance? Or perhaps you have a nine to five? No matter what you do, mental health affects us all. I struggled early on in my career with the uncertainty of if and when I would ever work again, struggling to pay my bills or simply with anxiety. Don't know about you, but being an actor, it's very important for me to maintain structure in the downtimes 
and I found not only exercise, but talking to someone for me was a game changer. And so Life in Film has partnered with BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs, and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. And back to the show. I guess it was when I was a very young kid and people around me were saying to my mum, my late mum, that, yeah, this guy, he, he loved entertaining people. And it was like, I just did it. I just loved having fun, playing around, right? <clears throat> and then my mum tried to get me into this um, stage school, Jack Palmer's, where I used to live. And um, got in there, fortunately, thanks to her. And um, but I had to get pulled out because unfortunately that's when things changed for me. And for a period of time, I was just sort of floating. Um, but I think what really sealed the deal was like in that space, I was thinking, I need to do it. Like, I know this is what I want to do. And funny enough, I met Phil and James in Manchester when I was at university, sent something completely unrelated. And that's actually when this came as the short film. And then Phil was like basically teaching me in the class and James was writing scripts for this class. <clears throat> and, like, and then Phil called me, he's like, yo, I've got this uh, idea for a short film, Stephen's going to be in it. Do you want to play Jake? And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to someone about it. You know what I mean? People got time. And next thing I know, like, it was just, yeah, wild. And I think being in that short really like, cemented it for me like it's just where the space where i felt free um and also i just felt very carefree not in the wrong way because obviously you've got to care about certain things but i just felt like this is not right. natural yeah that's that's it yeah it felt natural i think that was it like just well yeah here we are you know what i'm saying i mean i've just always done it like i always did it as a kid like i sort of i don't really know how that came about necessarily because like my family and all actors like I, it, I just sort of did it I don't know if I went to a club or something when I was a child um and I just loved it like I loved I always used to make like little movie like home movies um on our camp order and stuff I just loved to home movies yeah oh yeah <laughs> um and I just I don't know I just like loved doing it and then when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I got like, into my self-conscious phase and I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, and then I moved over to London originally to do music production. Uh, and I started my course and I was just like, this is just not what I want to do. Like, I know I want to do acting. It's the only thing I really genuinely love doing. And so I was like, Forget about this course. Um, I'm going to try and do acting, and I like sort of went to train for a little bit, and then ended up getting an agent. And the whole time, I was very much like I sort of taken time out of acting, so I was like, I'm just happy to kind of be doing anything. Like I don't know, I'm just like happy. Like even just auditions coming through, I was just happy to like do an audition. Like that's fun. I get to read a script. Um, yeah, and then I 
my first professional job was playing Lily Allen in a Lily Allen music video. That's heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, from then. That's a pretty good start. Yeah. Yeah. When she does it yeah. so nonchalant, like, yeah, I'll play a little Lily Allen. Like, oh. I just always liked drama in school, man. Um, I used to act to like school plays and stuff, but I never ever saw it as a career. I remember there was like a time in my life where I was just doing a lot of nonsense and dumbness. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me just, let me just put it like that way. Enjoyment. My older brother kind of pulled me to the side because I was, at, I was just at a point where you know you're just a, you're a teenager, you're going through that phase where you think you're the guy. And my brother just pulled me to the side like, and like, look, man, you need to focus. Like, you need to think of what you like doing and try and make it into a career. So I kind of just thought, what do I like doing? Drama is the only subject that stood out to me. So I kind of just started researching and I remember it was around the time John Diego made his first on-screen debut. So I was just kind of researching how he got into acting. I went to the drama school he went to um, for like a year and left because I couldn't afford it. And then I was just winging it, man. I was on, I was on sites like Casting Big Pro and all these sites just to get amateur work. And I'm trying to yeah. forward, put together a showreel of like different work. And I was just, eventually once I did that, I started sending it out to agencies. Didn't know what I was doing again. I was just like, hey, <laughs> I ain't gonna represent me, represent me. Yeah. Just flinging them out there. Eventually I got an agent. But even after that, man, you get a lot of self tapes. I remember my first self tape audition. And I, I remember telling uni, like, hey, got this audition. I'm not coming back. I hadn't even auditioned. And it was a big wake up call. Because that was hundreds mm. that was the start of a hundred no's yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. and then you kind of just get used to it man it was like it wasn't until it's like nine years from the time i decided i wanted to be an actor to the point where i got my debut so um yeah man, but in between those nine years it just i just i just legit couldn't see myself doing anything else yeah, so yeah. i kind of just pursued that with that's the thing people presume it's like when they see you guys on the show they're like mm. They're in a big show, like, oh, but it's the work that comes before that. And yeah. like talking to a lot of actors, I'm an actor myself. And it, the, the question of like, oh, what do you do in your spare time? It's like, try and get a job. Yeah. yeah like, oh, try and catch up on sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Unless you're a list that just gets the yeah. jobs to, and they come to you. Yeah. Cool. You've got to work. You've got to be taping and doing yourself out there. Yeah. And exercising, because at the end of the day, self tape is an exercise. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a different type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or audition in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the tough bit. It's the grind, isn't it? You've got to keep like, consistency almost. Like, it's like trying to hold a mental resilience as well. Oh like, that's, that's the thing that I really learned about it. It's like, I was like, yo, I didn't realize I was this resilient in my mind. So it's <laughs> cutthroat. It is cutthroat, man. Very it's, it's balancing like your own self worth and the wealth that they want to keep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's really yeah. difficult. And at the end of the day, it's just whether you fit. Yeah. Because there's been times I've told, ah, you know what, you're a bit too tall for the role, or you're a bit too short for the role, or you've casted a mother and you, you don't look like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do with talent. But That's hey. the worst one, because you're like, yeah. <laughs> I've been cast first, then, you know, yeah. you know she's gone. <laughs> yeah. Just got to keep going, man. Mm. I never thought I'd work in a place like this. I just don't want to mess it up. You're stressing about stay, aren't you? I don't really sleep. You need to have a little bit more faith in yourself. Well, when I was at school, um, I was the kind of person in the year group that did the film stuff. So anytime there was a like a class assembly in front of the year group or like in front of the key stage, I guess, um, I would see that as an opportunity to go in and like make a video 
and use it as a chance to have a bit of an audience. And I really enjoyed doing that at school. And when it came to choosing universities, I really wasn't sure about what the best path would be or if that was right for me. And, um, and so I ended up not applying to anywhere. And I had a very weird gap year where my friends all went off and I was kind of left uh, at in Bracknell where I live and doing kind of the hospitality stuff. I actually worked front of house. So when it comes to Boiling Point, there are, there are some links there. So that was where I did most of my hospitality work. And I decided in that year, year out that I decided that um, I should go to university because at least then I'd be with people similar minded and I might have an opportunity to make some stuff. Um, because in that time, I, I tried to apply to even be like a sweeper at Pinewood or something. and Anything just to get in there. Anything, just I wanted a C-set or anything, but I couldn't, I, I, there was no way, no one was hiring. And so I went down that path and I went to uni and I did film studies, which was a very useful course in terms of understanding film and like social issues and how those are put on film and stuff. But it wasn't a very practical course. And in my third year, I ended up... Um, I was friends with somebody from actually from my school where I was making little movies um, who was doing his third year at, my, at the same uni and he was doing a film there. So um, we actually wrote his third year film together and that starred Phil Barantini, who is our director. And uh, I don't know whether he's in here today, but um, he was an actor at that time. So we flew out to Sofia in Bulgaria and filmed it there because it was actually cheaper than filming at a studio in the UK. And... Uh, that was where I met Phil. And that was a really great experience for me because my first time really writing something, having really actually made by proper people, real camera. And uh, that also started my uh, working relationship with Phil. And as Phil was, was transitioning into directing, um, I was also his kind of go-to person to write little scripts because I proved myself with that little short film. And at that point, uh, if he needed to do, he was doing these acting workshops and I, I would um, write those three page scripts that they would use in class. So when Boiling Point, the short film came around, I was the person he asked to write with that and we did that. And then since then it's kind of been a weird snowball effect, but I always loved film. Um, and so it's, it's extremely exciting to be here. And to then branch off into TV as we are now, such a, like on a scale I've not, I've not really dreamed of. Sometimes you, you, you hope for it, but you never really believe it. And um, certainly in that gap year, I didn't believe that. I wish I could go back and just sort of pat myself on the shoulder. It's and gonna say, be okay. You're going to, it, some, some good things are gonna happen. But at that time it was felt like a, a very unachievable. Well, yeah, when you started with the short film, mm. did you have any sort of intention then to try and make it into something bigger? Obviously you did the film and now you did the series, but was it, primarily just to do the short at that point, at that time? For me it was. Bart, our producer, uh, the way he'd got the money for the short was in part to promise those people, oh, right. we're going to make a feature. So this is a kind of proof of concept. And I really didn't like that idea because I thought we did something that was very contained and we didn't really have a solid idea for a feature at that point. And so once the short came out and it did well at the, the Biffers, um, uh, we were kind of, by that time we were, mid-writing the thing, but it took a while to get to the point of saying, actually, we have a good story. And we went through many different story ideas at that point. I didn't really want to do it still. I wasn't convinced by it. Uh, and I, yeah, it's one of those things where you think, let's just leave well enough alone. We did well, let's move on <laughs> yeah, to the yeah, next yeah. thing. Did well. Yeah, yeah. So Are you glad now that you were convinced? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because, but, but I also, that was, 
I had that feeling when I didn't know what the film was. And once Phil and I had worked out uh, that we were going to do it in a continuous sequence and it was going to be kind of sort of real time and we're going to do the, yeah, the one shot thing. And it was going to be an ensemble thing. And I, I was I was imagining films like Magnolia where, where the stories are all kind of unbeatable and uh, stuff like that where the stories intertwine. And that was really exciting. That By that point, I was all in on it. But funnily enough with the series, um, I don't know, I, it was, I, I absolutely didn't consider that we would do another one. And it was a bit of a joke that we would do a sequel because what would you do? And, uh, but once the end thing was idea, pretty like, I thought that was it. We thought it was <laughs> it. It's funny because, uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought he was dead, but you know, these th things That's change. something if you wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I wasn't sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so, but we, but actually the process of doing the TV series has been very rewarding and um, the, actually having the Andy character survive, um, which I hope isn't a spoiler for anyone, if anyone's watching. Well, if they've seen the first episode, it's stuff. Oh, okay, fine. Well, we can, well, I can, you know, depending yeah. on this, I The series allows us to go for a storyline and, and actually pick up on certain things that we had planned for the feature film, but there wasn't time or there wasn't space for the characters. And the story of recovery with alcoholism is something that really we considered doing from the very start. And, uh, and in fact, an original plan for the feature film was to do the short film, reshoot the short film basically, and then have the second, the, the third, second and third act to be about recovery. That was a really early idea. And, uh, and so to actually be able to return to some of those bits was really cool because we didn't really want to let them go. They were, they were strong ideas. Well, when I realized that there was going to be a series and obviously getting to see the first episode, yeah. um, it's, really enjoyed it and, it, and the film I thought was incredible as well and I, I was concerned because I thought the film's really good almost like you were I guess with the short you're like yeah. why don't you just leave it there and Yeah. I was like oh, I really like the film and I hope that this isn't just like an extension and it's yeah. like something special but just seeing the first episode I was like okay they've gone something different like I was expecting yeah. the one shot as well sure. Yeah, yeah. and obviously that's not possible because there's characters in different locations yes. yeah. um, and just watching the first episode there's that like I don't really want to give away exactly what goes on in it, but there's that tension, still that tension. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, it's like, you're still there going, yeah. oh, what's going to happen? And it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, what was the process like going from doing the film to doing the series? Was it quite a different thing to write? Oh, entirely. It was completely different. Well, with the feature film, we didn't write a lot of the dialogue in. We wrote uh, lots of ideas about what the dialogue should be. Yeah. And, um, for example, you know, we would put examples of, of what people should say, but really they were like, this character says ABC, uh, they then transition into BCD. Um, I'm hoping I'm getting my alphabet right here. <laughs> you never start from B. Um, and then, and this is how they transition between that stuff. Here's what they're feeling. Here's how the other person's reacting. Here's what they say. So, so it was kind of like, it was directed and all the content was there and everything they needed, but the actual, how, how it was worded was left up to the, the actors and uh, in the workshop process. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So, so Phil was there during the workshop and uh, as, as was I, well, Phil of course was because he was directing them, and uh, I would be revising the script and putting in key lines that we liked. And because everyone has a different way of, of joking and describing things and talking and 
the way we wanted it to be to be so um, authentic was to do that. So, but with the series, it wasn't really an option to do that kind of level of improvisation because it's such a different technical beast. It's also not just done in one take. So, cont- continuity-wise, um, you know, you need it. You need there to be a lot more kind of set in stone, I guess. So, actually, the TV series for starters was, has full dialogue written, and a lot of that's played with on the day, and people do improvise around that but so to give you that authenticity which is why it's still there in the show but I really enjoyed coming back and writing those characters and writing them with how I picture their voice and that was really fun um, particularly great character to write is, uh, was Gary Lamont's character Dean who I just really enjoyed writing he's such a fun character to and the way he, he you know his, his humor style and Gary did a improvised on top of that with so much brilliance and so much you know authenticity and everything for the character so it was really different um i'm forgetting all of the question oh no the question was just like the difference from jumping oh sure yeah from the film to the series i know they're completely different styles so when we pitched the series or when we were looking at pitching the series we did look at doing all the episodes in one take but it felt like it would it really would be a gimmick in that case so we thought we could keep the energy of the push the film but do it with traditional cutting. Also, I think it being a series lended itself to um, to having more peaks and troughs in terms of high tension and low tension. What I'm really surprised by um, and really quite like is how um, there are some bits which are just really kind of easy watching that you, you feel like you're in the room with them joking and it's really fun. So um, I've really loved that part of discovering the, the show as we've, as we've gone and done it. I should I'll also say very quickly, yeah. I, I worked with other writers on this one yeah, as well. So, so that was really fun. And doing a writer's room was really great. And they brought so much to it. Hey, I'm proud of you. They're all brilliant at what they do. But don't be intimidated. They're idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's looking good. I feel like a proud mother. Okay, get on this. It started kind of, it was, it was a weird thing. So I did, so I came out of drama school and I did a couple of, TV jobs. I got a couple of TV jobs before I was still at drama school, mm. and sort of was had that misconception that it was all going to happen immediately for me. Right? It's like completely like the wrong impression of how this industry is. I mean, and obviously, I didn't. I worked at a couple of jobs right after that, and then it stopped. And then I did nothing, and then and then I did Band of Brothers, which obviously was a, a, a one of those life changing things, right? And not so much in sort of terms of my career, but in terms of just experiences and the friendships I made along the way. Is that you where know. you met Philip? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I did. Yeah. So we've not. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other for you know, twenty dead, well, twenty-three years now. Um, but we've stayed friends with. You know, we have. A, we still have a WhatsApp group for the for the oh, cast, wow. right? That WhatsApp group still buzzes. You know, twenty-five, thirty times a day. You know, when you know, we. I was at. We have an annual barbecue. I was there a week ago. But usually not in Hemmings' house because he's got a big house in the country yeah. with a pool. Um, <laughs> and so we're there and all our families come and, and that's sort of an annual thing that we do still. So there's still that very that, that bond is still very strong and very there. But after yeah. that, again, another misconception, I thought, oh, well, now it's going to happen for me acting-wise. And, and it didn't. And I got the sort of the... Because I was one of the first... I played a uh, man called Ed Tipper who was uh, sort of badly injured in, in the Sultan Carantan, uh, just after D-Day. And so he was one of the first characters sort of like to be written out of, this, of the miniseries because he was one of the first casualties that Easy Company had. 
And so I was doing sort of the audition circuit whilst the show was still going on. And I was seen for everything. And I was getting all these, I never got any off, but everyone wanted to meet me and hear about the show and what was it like. And, you know, so I thought, well, this is going to, and nothing happened. And I thought to myself, how is, you know, how is that possible? And I started, I'd always loved writing. And I started writing a couple of sort of like ideas and scripts and stuff. I initially started producing, putting, I started doing plays. Because again, I came from a theatre background, and so I started producing plays and putting those on, and I got good at you know raising the money and doing that and getting it done. So I did a couple of those. I ended up doing produced a play at the West End as well, Benefactors, Michael Prime play, um, and then moved into you know film and producing. Kind of just became a job. And it became a job. I was I found myself just good at it, so I did. I didn't love it. Was it something that you thought, oh, if I I mean, maybe it wasn't as preemptive this, as this, but is it something where you go, okay, I'm not getting the jobs I want to get as an actor. Maybe the producing will help, maybe the writing will help. And Exactly. It was also, it was also done so I put myself in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then that side of it, you know, goes sort of started to fade and it started to be, well, I can't be the lead because, you know, I'm never going to get the film finance stuff or the project finance of me as the lead. I got to, you know, so is there a role for me in it? And then, you know, is there something I can do? So I did that. And then eventually, it just drifted into becoming the job, and so I still still write. I still you know, write a project now, and I've still I've written a few things. I've written, got three, three, three or four features that have been made that I've written, um, and you know I, I co-directed a couple of things. I'd like to have a stab at directing something solo at one point, um, but I'm, again, the producer in me stops me from. Just, I'm going to do this one. Yeah. The producer's always asking. The producer brain kind of goes, "Yeah, but you're the best man for the job." <laughs> and inevitably, so far, I've gone, "Well, no." <laughs> so that kind of stops me. But uh, one day I will. Is there like a specific project that you think might be the one, or are you have you got one you're keeping back? No, not not not, not at the moment. Not at the moment, because again, so writing-wise, that's fine. I've written a lot of stuff, and like you know, I actually. Have, some sort of value as a writer but um directing no but nothing nothing at the moment but it will, it'll come it'll turn up it'll, i'll know it when i see it oh, yeah. you know what i mean i'll yeah, know yeah. it when i read it I'm like yeah okay that's the one that's the one it's funny that there's because i'm myself an actor and obviously this yeah. is like something i do on the side to keep me sane in yeah. between the jobs you know all about that yeah, yeah um and the writing and things like that and it is it's one of those things of finding the balance because yeah. obviously if, if your main goal is being an actor there's got to be at some point maybe the writing's doing better, maybe the producing's doing better, and you have to kind of, did you have to feel like, was there a real pivot of a, of a moment? Yeah there, the, yeah, there was. I mean, again, the acting thing, so I, we did a, a lockdown movie called The Violent Man with Stephen Oderbergh, uh, who's, yeah. in, in, who's in Boiling Point TV show and is in Gassed Up, the next film that we're just coming out, um, with him and Craig Fairbrass and directed by Ross McCall, who was in Band of Brothers. So Ross came with me with the script a while before COVID, and obviously during COVID, we just finished doing uh, Boiling Point. Boiling Point was still in post-production. Like, what am I going to do now? And then I remembered, oh, because it was all set in a prison cell. I'm like, well, I can't really do that. It's very contained. So we did that. And uh, and I said to Ross, oh, I'll do this little bit in it. Hmm. And it was the, the final nail in my acting coffin because I was like, I literally walked off the set after I'd done my little bit. And I said to Ross, don't ever let me do that again. Oh, no. And it was like, it was literally, it was like, nah, that's it, I'm done. 
Really? I, I, it's not an itch I need to scratch anymore. Yeah. It's gone in me. Um, you just felt like out of place and that you were more comfortable in the Yeah, it's the more comfortable. I mean, my creative side is very much fulfilled with the writing. Yeah. And, 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 and producing to an extent when, when there's enough, you know, enough need for me to do it. Um, and, it, you know, one day when I direct, that'll, that'll fulfill that itch, I'll scratch that itch as well. I mean, it's, it's funny because I mean, Ross, Ross Paul again said to me, he's, he's, it was, he doesn't know if he's going to do it again. He said it's something he wanted to do. It's an itch he needed to scratch. I mean, yeah. I mean similar thing, I think. I guess, I guess the less you do something, if you haven't worked for a while, and I, I know I felt that, that when you go back on set, you're something like, is this, maybe, as you say, the writing is something that you find yeah. more interesting. And, and, and to get to that to the point of, you know, you're here now promoting Boiling Point, the series, I mean, I've, I've seen the first episode, loved it. Did you? Um, okay. And it, it's funny how at this moment in time, it feels like there's a, it's a real popular thing, like in the kitchen drama. Yeah. Um, obviously, the bear's doing hugely well. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that came out around the time the film Boiling Point came out. It came out just after. Just after, okay. That's a good point. To and make, it, yeah. it's, yeah, it was, it was just after. It was something, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, well, I mean, we've had this conversation behind closed doors, obviously. We've got to go on. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. Because yeah. there's, there's a lot of similarities. But you do kind of then look at it and go, yeah, but those are all things that are in kitchens everywhere. You know, it's like... It, it, but it is like the, the sub... Kitchen drama has become sub, sub, a sub-genre. No? Yeah, yeah. There really is. And mm. I know there's another... I saw there's another film being made. Obviously, there's the, the, the menu... Oh, of course. Then there was, uh, there's another one I know being made, another sort of film. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It's funny how they come in waves. Like, yeah, of course. With everything, I had um, Nini Ledger, American director. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. And she, um, she obviously directed Deep Impact, but it was, she was talking about, you know, obviously. Armageddon came, came, came out at the same time. Like, Hang on, what? Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. She was saying that, um, what's his name, the producer, of, uh, the director of Armageddon, um, Michael, no, Michael Bay. Michael Bay, yeah. Michael Bay turned up to her premiere. And this is while he was still editing Armageddon. And she was like, I'm not no. saying he copied me. No. Uh, but there are elements that might be a little bit similar. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's interesting to know. Um, there are enemies everywhere. you got to keep your eye out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> Watch out for the screening later, just in case it's me. <laughs> Looking at your team as well, it feels like you've even since Band of Brothers, you and obviously Philip, and then along the way, looking at everyone's IMDb's, oh, yeah. everyone's kind of connected in a way, and you've all done multiple projects together. Yeah. Have you now got a team that you kind of... It's a lot of... And you work with? I mean, so, uh, but Taz Schuyler is my writing partner as well, mm. so we, we write together. Um, and, you know, a lot of... Yeah, I mean, James Darcy called me this morning asking him about what's going on with the other stuff. Uh, you know, we, we, I like working with people that I get on with that I work well with. You know, a lot of the Band of Brothers guys, you know, help. It's that we, we always look to cast them in something, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nick Aaron has done a couple of films for me. Um, I'm trying to think about Rick Warden has done a couple. Uh, Tim Matthews was in one recently. A, a, lot, a lot of the guys, that Phil obviously himself has been in, was that cast him in three or four films, I think, before, before he started directing. And so, yeah, we've all had it. Robin Lang did one as well. Yeah, list, the list goes on. Yeah, you've got <laughs> I produced Ross McGall's first director. So, yeah. Anyone I have from Band of Brothers on the show, like I had um, Dexter Fletcher on not too long ago. 
And um, yeah, I mean, everyone talks about Band of Brothers in that same yeah. warm way, right? It was like a real family and everyone was like, kind of, it was their initiation into the industry. Oh, they were yeah. all young and it's, it's exciting. And I mean, what an amazing job to start with. Like, well, no, you must have been like, I'm off to the race. Yeah, this is it. So Rick <laughs> Gomez was in town as well. Rick Gomez was in town, I hadn't seen him in years. And actually I bumped into like Dexter's premiere and I hadn't seen him, I had dinner with him, talking to him about what everything. And you know, it's like, I, I literally hadn't seen him in like 20 years, mm. but it's that feeling like I only saw him. It, that's the thing, yeah. that's that bond was there. It's like, I only saw you yesterday. <laughs> no, 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 it's 20 years ago. It's that, it's that weird thing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. It's a great, it, that camaraderie was built, but that, I mean, I always give credit to Dale Dye because he built that. He built that from the ground up, mm. you know. I mean, he's a, he's a character as well, but it, you know, he's uh, full credit to him for that because he, he created that out of nothing, out of 10, you know, 10 days in a boot camp, a bunch of yeah, there's legend wishy washy actors, yeah, you know. No, no, he's i you know, some people absolutely hated it. I love that experience because I think that experience is what what made that that that, that authenticity that the show has is. In no small part down to what they'll buy it and that book. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Did anyone not make it through? <laughs> the book anyone... I mean <laughs> be careful what I say. <laughs> um I mean it was long ago enough. I mean, you know David <laughs> a bit close. <laughs> David Schwimmer hurt his knee like in day two. <laughs> <laughs> the the biggest name on set. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, other, other thing. I mean, but then but for everything like that, it was like, uh, like I can't tell this now because it's wrong. I mean, there was one time when uh, Neil, that we were doing a, an exercise in the in, in the food bar, the built-up sort of area of uh, Bryce and Barrett. and he Neil McDonough ran by. I can't remember who it was. Someone fired. Obviously, we were, we, all, our, all our rifles had blanks on them, but blanks still propels grit and stuff. You know, short distance, so you can't fire a blank. Hurt some, not killer, but you hurt. And Neil McDonald was running past. Someone fired a, a weapon out a window, and Neil McDonald was running past right at the same time. And some grit flew out of the muzzle and literally split his lip. Yeah, like that. To the point where it's not like put a bit of gauze on it. No, no, it's like you have to go to hospital. Right? It's stitched up. And God, it must have been shot and, the person that fired it. Yeah, yeah. But he's, I mean, Neil McDonald, you know, I'm sure you know, we, you know. Looks like a tank, and he, you know, he is like he's made. He's made of steel. So he was like, and they couldn't. Right, he had. To, he went and did it, but they like, okay, well, we're gonna have to report it. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, no. I'll just just take me. I'll go. Don't report it. So, but you have to have medication. I won't take any medication. Just stitch me up. Nothing, nothing that nothing that will go on paper because we would have been shut down. The production was shut down. You know. So he, it was literally no one ever knew it happened. He said he, he said, you know, he, he when he got back, he said, Oh no, it's nothing I just fell, you know, he had obviously had like something over it, I just cut myself. But he literally had to go to hospital, they had to stitch him up without any kind of like local anesthetic or no no painkillers, nothing that had to be prescribed that could have yeah. had to leave a paper trail. Because he's like, No, I'll shut us down, so I'm just gonna So he just went off, yeah. stitched came back, full stitches in the Get away with that twenty years ago. Yeah, exactly not now. now. Yeah, exactly. No no such thing as phones with mobile phones with, with cameras in it. Yeah. So I, I I didn't have an agent, so but I was just you know the open casting call sort of thing, and I saw the movie in like October, mm. 
and I was like, I'm in a war. So I searched up if there's any, like, anything superstitious. And an article came out saying, in October... I think you were like... It was like, oh yeah, there's a series going to be filmed, starting to film. And I was like, well, that'd be so cool. And I was thinking, it's going to be exclusive casting, because obviously it's a BBC show. Anyway, I just saw this random thing that says, um, hospitality needed for a BBC show, blah, blah. So I applied for it, and then they asked for a tape. And the tape was like a, a, a snippet from the script. Then they also wanted a separate tape of me just talking about my experience in a restaurant um, whilst doing something. Did you talk about Mackie D's? I did. I talked about spilling four drinks, like four large drinks over someone. Oh, At that point, I was like, nah, this is not for me. Um, and yeah, and then I was just eating a mince pie because it was around Christmas time. And then I got a call saying that they'd like to meet me. So I went in. I don't have to do any acting or anything. They just kind of just sat down with Phil and talked. And Hester and Bart were in the interview as well. Hester was like, I love the fact that you were eating that mince pie. And I was like, this is all down to the mince pie. Imagine if I didn't eat the mince pie. <laughs> so I feel like it's a mince pie that got me the job. But yeah, it was just it was just a normal conversation. And then um, when I was in there and Phil was like, oh yeah, so you want to uh, give me the part called Moth? And I was like, okay, awesome. And then he was like, but you want to change Molly to a different name and actually make them non-binary. And I was like, because obviously in my audition thing, I said that I was non-binary and like Phil like actively changed Molly to oh, wow. And I just, I was crying. I was like, oh my God, I feel so like just seen right now. And we had a little cry together. And then obviously after that, it's just been fun with Molly's. But strangest experience of my life. But even me saying that, it just feels like I, I did that. That's amazing though. It, That's it, such a great story. It was, it's great. I mean, I can, all, I can thank Phil for it and Hester and Bart for them. But yeah, it's, it's so generous. And yeah, I couldn't have, I couldn't have, I couldn't have thanked for a better first job for anything. Especially working with Phil the director. Oh my God. I mean, it must be great the fact that he was obviously, a, he was an actor. Yeah. So there's a different relationship there between, you know, actor and director. And yeah. I guess he kind of gets it. He does get it. He understands and like um, when we were doing some scenes he gave everyone breathing space because he knows that sometimes things can get like really riled up, especially with boiling points, it's always here. Yeah, so yeah. it's gonna it frazzles our brain like everyone at the end of the day was absolutely knackered because it was just emotionally just mm. so he understood that like people do need breaks and he was always there. He'd literally stop to go talk to someone if they needed it. I think with Phil it's not about it's not about the piece, it's about the people. And he's always said, like, this show is about real people. Mm -hmm. He's definitely brought that. Because he, he had to make sure we're okay, because the people are everything to do with the show. So he, oh, he's just so, so, been so supportive about the whole thing. Was it an audition process the first time yeah. around for the film? Yeah. How was it? So you just went in and you just read for it and you thought, well, this is a pretty good script. Well, it was what the was script. It? Oh, it was the improv. Oh, so, wow. Like, um, I just had the bullet point that um, Jacob wanted to do a drug deal, so that was obviously for the film. And um, yeah, it was just, it was really, really chill. So first of all, we had to do a self-tape, an improvised self-tape, making a cup of tea, talking about a restaurant experience, um, because I think then they could decipher who was sort of, who's staging it and who's just being real. Um, and then, yeah, turned up for Jones and Sons, that's where my audition was. Um, met Dan, we got on straight away, like just hit it off. And then did some improvising and then um, I found out that day that I was part of the project. Um, and it wasn't long after that we were, that we were filming. 
it, it, initially, I, like, got introduced to Phil from a short film, and then we made Jack McLaughlin, it was called Bud, which, weirdly enough, was screened here at BFI. Oh, right. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then, so, Phil, Jack was shadowing Phil on the feature. Um, he showed it to, to, to Phil and Stephen Hannon, I think, as well. And um, I think that's when he first seen like, something I'd done. Then. I'd done my very first job last year, called Malpractice, and they were having trouble casting this part of the government. And I think Jack suggested me, and they were like, oh, he's there. And like, oh, it's that lad from the show off. I was like, oh, yeah, Sam, let's get him in, let's see what he can do. And then I got the part in that, and it was literally only meant to be... I think I'm, I was meant to say about three words, but the uh, the leader, Neve Allagar, she said to me, like, do you mind improvising? And I was like... I, I love that, and it's obviously came in handy this time around, but... Um, but yeah, that, that scene kind of came a little bit bigger, and then I, I got roped into another episode. Um, and then when this came about, um, I done an audition, and I, I didn't hear back for like... Three or four weeks, which is usually the case. Um, I remember just watching it was Liverpool versus Wolves in the FA Cup, and then Hannah rings me just to say that I've got it, and I was like, it's just, it's bizarre, mate. It's like, but it's, it, it feels nice to have all these little links, like stuff in the past, like to show a film, and then, yeah, it's been great. I did the tape and I sent the tape off, and I was like, wow, I'm never hearing back. <laughs> <laughs> and like, honestly, that's not even a lie. Like, my friends remember me saying that. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I can't. One believe. of the ones you just like. It's like, yeah. you, yeah, you like think back, and you think back to it, and you're like, I can't believe that exists to me in like, the world. And then I got a recall for it, and I was like, okay. Um, and then did the audition and like once I was in the recall and I sort of like chat to Phil and stuff, I was like, oh, I think I am actually what they want for the character. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, forget about that too. <laughs> um, yeah, and now... And here you are. Here we're well, we. the series, yeah, yeah, great. Not a bad place to be. Not a bad <laughs> place to be. So I was doing a production of Paradise Lost where I played Eve as in Adam and Eve and I, there was an interpretive, I, I was naked for the show until the end where we put on a business. The whole show? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, well the second half was Adam, the first half I was playing, uh, it was in hell and I was a different character but in the second half I was Eve so for the whole of that second half until um, the point where she eats the apple and then she, she, like, she puts on a business suit. Yeah. But there's like an interpretive dance with Adam and Eve uh, with an apple. And on Dundee stage, which is tiny, the apple fell out of my hand, rolled off the edge of the stage and into the hands of um, uh, the feet of uh, like a man and his like adolescent daughters and I needed it to finish the show to finish that section of the show and so in the moment I just went to get it so I just bounded and he was like terrified and embarrassed and I just was like you know he had a naked woman running at him to get an apple um, so I have to, and, and then when I went to get that, like the fourth wall was great. It's all right, you've got a sort of protective barrier when you're on stage. Yeah. Then when you're in the audience trying to get your apple back, it's a bit different. It's gone and you're there and you're like, I'm naked in front of a room full of, oh God, it was oh awful. God. It was awful. That's, 
That's one of the best I've heard. Is it? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's there you go. Have that one. Was that what you imagined when, uh, when you said, I really want to be on stage? I want to do Shakespeare. But <laughs> you know what? I actually really believe that the, it was a good show. And that choice, I would never do anything gratuitous. That choice worked for that show. But it's just amazing how like something can feel for the right choices on a stage and you step off a stage and it and it's a different it's different. Oh, okay. Here's one. So I I thought I was auditioning for like a female character and I went into the room mm. and there was just loads of men. Right. And I was like, okay. And I walked in and they asked me to audition for a character called James. So go either way. So, so I, I was I was like, what? And so I went in and did everything and then I went away and then they they gave me the job. But I was like, Well I'm not I'm I'm biologically a woman, so how is that gonna work? And they were like, Oh it's fine, it'll work and I'm like, I'm I'm called James And they were like, Oh it's fine and then when when I well, eventually this job didn't really work out because I did this instead. But then when I went on... It sounds like a good one. This was a good choice. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if you're willing to share it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, in a, I was in an audition for a commercial once. Um... No, we've had, I've had a lot today of people talking about humiliating commercials. Oh, my God. I think no, they are. Like, so it's oh. obviously the worst yeah, case. So oh, yeah. I mean, this wasn't just like because of what I had to do in the audition. This was because there was a guy, um, a guy, he was 11, little boy playing my brother and we had to fight over a laptop and he punched me in the face and split my lip. In the, <laughs> in audition. the audition? Oh my God. <laughs> like, and it was kind of like, we all just sort of looked at each other and I was like, oh, so I don't know if How do you react to that? How do you? I just didn't know what to do. I yeah. just laughed. Yeah. It was like, um, right. But I mean. Did yeah. you get the part? Did you get the part? <laughs> no. No, I think we, we called it quits after, he did after like, the lip split. Yeah, and I don't think we'd done many takes, so oh. we left it there. I hope for him that he got it, because he really, he really he went some went method. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this is fact or not, but in my chest it's fact, right? So I did this musical called oh, Parade. Yeah. I know, I know. And, you know, I got loads, people used to say things to me like, oh, you can't sing, you can't sing. And I get to the MD and he's like, no, you've got a voice, your friends aren't your friends. I was like, okay, sick. <laughs> See where this is going, right? So we're warming up, whatever, and get on the stage. There's one night. <laughs> God, there was one night, yeah. When uh, we're singing one, one, one. I can't remember what song it was. But I get on there. There's a guy singing for me, and then it gets to the point where I'm meant to be singing too. But then he carried on singing, and also I was singing. And I realised I can't hear myself singing. And I clocked, oh, they've turned the mic off. Oh. Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. So I start singing louder. And you know it's you know the mic's off because you can hear your voice, but it's not going anywhere. Then, yeah, man, a few times. That yeah. So that, mental resilience, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Right? <laughs> yeah. You got through it. Was tough, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got through it, and you're here now. Yeah, so, That's <laughs> crazy. That's good. You can like you know you gotta live up to that now. I mean, I don't have. <laughs> I have a story, not from like professional, from like back in the day when I was a child, um, kind of. And I don't know if this is actually a thing. I know it's a thing in Wales, like the I Stedford. Do you do the I Stedford in, in um, like the, because uh, I'm from Jersey. And so there's a thing called the I Stedford and there's like different categories. There's different categories. It's not just um, drama, it's like 
you could do like languages and drama and and like poetry and stuff and you basically go up in front of judges and like the rest of i don't know your school oh, wow. or whoever nice. and you either recite a poem or like i remember i had to recite a poem in spanish once yeah um i was pretty proud of that i got, I got platinum no big deal there was one I did, um, I was doing like a reading of, I don't know, something like a, a story or something from like my drama I stepped And I used to have the worst stage fright ever. It was terrible. So I was like, yeah, like the worst. Like when I was, I wanted to do drama for GCSE and the school that I was at at the time wrote a letter to my parents saying that I shouldn't do it because um, because I had stage fright and they were worried I'd like let the other classmates down like if I I don't know couldn't do a performance or whatever but one time I was up there ready to say my piece at the Ice Tedford and I just got so terrified that I just ran off stage in front of like all my class like in front of the judges I just ran off stage I was so scared and then but then i was so upset because i'd like prepared this thing and luckily which is very nice that one of the judges stayed behind to the end and let me do it like like not in front of other people and just in front of the judge that's that's nice it was super nice but it was terrible because i did run off <laughs> in front of like all my peers oh, which was that's pretty that's devastating that's 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 awesome. Awesome. they remember yeah. they remember that too finally got to none of y'all yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can say is um, when I had when I was when I was shooting Blue Story, they would just say certain terms I didn't understand. But my thing is, I never ask questions. Yeah, just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when they said something like, yeah, guys, we're gonna go to the green room now, and I was just like, oh shit, we got a green screen for this. And I was like, <laughs> what? Green screen? Green room? They not yeah, I just, I just, uh, I, just, I, just I just didn't know what I was talking about. Oh. You know now though, it's last yeah, thing, I didn't know. <laughs> Wait, you're... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, why it's called green though, why? why yes, so I had, um, years ago, I had, I suffered from chronic fatigue syndrome for about 15 years. Oh wow. And uh, I once did this, I mean, I was really unwell for, for many years, but then I, and it would come in sort of peaks and troughs uh, energy-wise. And I was on stage. I, I'd been too unwell to do the dress rehearsal. So they were like, look, Hess, you know it, you're, you'll be fine. Just do the show. And uh, the only way I got through that run was by a lot of support from the, from the, from the rest of the cast and uh, the director and everything, who sadly passed away, Michael Friend. Um, but he, he just said to me, spent all day in bed, get up. I had a cold bath to get myself, literally I had a 20 minute cold bath to be able to get enough energy to go to the theater, get ready, go on stage. It was a really long play. It was a uh, Blythe Spirit, so I played Elvira the Ghost. Um, and I, one time, <laughs> it was so, I mean, it was quite chaotic anyway because we'd had a change of cast member yeah. and so our, the lead dropped out so somebody had to step in and he had the script, but he had the script with him. He knew it really well, but he still wasn't fully still like, I'm playing in the script. Yeah, so he had the script with him in his pocket. And we were on stage and the thing that happens sometimes with, with chronic fatigue is you just get complete your memory just goes. You just, you, it's like you glaze over because you're so tired. 
and it happened on stage to me. And he's with the script. And he like, had the script. Oh, Thank no. goodness he had the script. Oh, well, I say that, yeah. So, I know, it was like, and I remember there going, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what's next. It could be anything. It could be anyone speaking. It could be anything. I don't know. It could be, I just don't know. Um, and that's horrible. it was, that's it was horrible. It was horrible. As an actress, it's a dreadful thing. That's the, that's the nightmare. Oh, every you know, you dream about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, On stage, it happened, the whole auditorium out there, and I'm like... Oh my God. I didn't even know if it was me. I, put, I thought it, maybe it was someone else yeah. ready to, to do a line. And then he, he turned, he did this amazing thing where he spun away from the audience. He took the script out of his, out of his uh, jacket and he sort of had a little read. And then he put it back in, I saw the whole thing, put it back in his jacket. And then he asked me a question. And I went, ah, it's me. Yeah. My God! And I was like, "Yep, thank you very much." You That's great, though. He was like, "Oh, yeah, little yeah. him, yeah. amazing." Yeah. So that was something I'll never forget. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah, it was intense. It was intense. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh God, yeah! Um, all right. So back in the day, when I was acting, um, I'm sure you probably remember this as well. When you got a commercial, it was like you know do a commercial, buy a house. Yeah, it's right? changed now. <laughs> and back in the day, the, the holy grail of, commo of commercials was the Coca-Cola ad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was stuff alleged, like, you know, 350 grand for a couple hours of work, right? And obviously, as you know, you know, you do whatever it takes to get it. So my agent calls me up, and normally I'm, I, when you get a commercial casting, you're like, oh, not another one, another, you know, cattle call, meat grind, you know, a thousand people, thousand, pe thousand clones of yourself. Yeah. But no, I go and uh, pick up the phone, got an audition for you, commercial, it's for Coca-Cola. <gasps> okay, great. But there's one thing they want to know. They just want to know, um, can you do a backflip? Oh, God. And I'm like, yeah, of course I can. Right? Now, not total bullshit, based a little bit on fact that when I was, I hadn't done it for many years, but when I was younger, I could do like a reverse handspring, like, you know, on the ground, onto my hands, pull, push up, you know, so. I'm like, that's close enough, and you know, and, and I say to myself, well, anyway, you know, it's the first audition, you know. Yeah. Normally, they don't ask you to do this kind of stuff till the recall, they just check you can do it, and then when they recall you, they're like, okay, you got it. And I said, anyway, you know, it's, it's a, you know, Coptic Street Studios, the floor is, you know, laminated for wood, they never been asked me to do it, it's gonna be fine. And then when they ask me to call back, then come back, then I'll, I'll get a friend of mine to teach me and I'll learn it. I'm athletic, I can do an answer with Yeah. And, you know, so I go, obviously I turn up. Now, I don't know if you remember, but normally in a commercial class, there's about three, four people there, you yeah. walk in. I walk in, a thing like this, wooden floors, and there is about 15 people there, right? And I'm like, Inch. and that completely throws me. And so I do the, do sort of the action. And then I'm like, okay, thanks, bye. And the director goes, oh, one minute, but just one thing, you just do the backflip for us. Casually. And just, like, of course, you think, well, I should have said, well, yeah, I would, but you know, my knee, I play football. It was an instinctive, it was an instinctive. Yeah, sure. And then I went, oh, Christ, what have I said? And I think exactly that. I said, well, I've said it now, I can't back out. And I just thought, just go for it. Just go for it, you'll manage it. You'll go for it, man. And so I go, get ready, and I kind of go, and I just go like this. No. 
so hard, but not even that, I kind of propel myself back. <laughs> so hard that I wind myself. So I'm lying on a floor like this with 15 people from Coca-Cola looking at me going. <laughs> no one says a word. Then suddenly I hear the director go, Jesus Christ, are you okay? <laughs> and I kind of pull myself up and I kind of go. It just crawl out. And to this day, I, I'm sure that at the Coca-Cola Christmas party, wow. let's get the video out of the dickhead that did the backflip. It's a laughing film, motherfucker, subscribe. Thank you to all of our guests and thank you to the team at Milk Publicity. And Una, thank you so much. You're an absolute legend. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Boiling Point is released on BBC on the 1st of October. And now that you're here doing this and, you know, it's pretty amazing. Like, how does that feel? Is it surreal or...? Yeah, it's a dream. Yeah. It's a dream. I don't think any sort of... Any creative doesn't have a level of imposter syndrome. I think you just have to overcome that with like, no, we work really hard like, to be here and also just enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it is really exciting. Service! I need you to remember what we're doing here, what we've started. New boy, you keep your ears open. Anyone needs anything, you get in there, yeah? Yes, sir. Right, check on table eight, one scout, two cod, one port. Oh, yes, keep pushing forward and let's do what we do. Yes, yes. 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 come on. Come in. Check on. Oh, yes, yes. 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 Andy, what are you doing? I think you should talk to Carly. I want to talk to her for. I mean, don't forget, you all used to work for me. You know, I've seen you playing happy families. Maybe if it wasn't for her, I'd still have my own fucking restaurant. I never thought I'd work in a place like this. I just don't want to mess it up. You're stressing about this day, aren't you? I didn't really sleep. You need to have a little bit more faith in yourself. Hey, I'm proud of you. They're all brilliant at what they do. But don't be intimidated. They're idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's looking good. I Stop it! 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 Stop it!